Welcome to the Be Hot Yoga Atlanta podcast. This is podcast number five. So today we have a very special guest. Suzanne and I are here with Alan, one of our wonderful teachers. Hi, Alan. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for coming and talking with us today. <laughs> My we're, pleasure. <laughs> we're super, super, yeah, super appreciative. So Alan, tell us how, how yoga came into your life. Well, a little bit about you, how, how you started. The, it kind of fell into my lap, um, actually. There were, I was uh, going to the gym four or five days a week, and then a couple of people that I took some fitness classes with suggested, oh, why don't we go and try this new thing, hot yoga? So part of the deal was we'd all meet up, go to a noon class, it's only 75 minutes, we get it in, get out, and, you know, just experience what it was. I ended up being the only one that showed up. <laughs> and I was hooked. <laughs> so was it at, at B-Hot? It was at B-Hot. At, at Urban Body? At Urban Body Studios, yes. Okay. Um, it was when they had just moved in there. Um, Rebecca Blowen um, was my first teacher. And it just brought back such good memories of of when I was in college and, and high school with all of the, the stretching and gymnastic ability and, and cheerleading and all that, all those things combined allowed me to, to stretch my muscles and, and, and let them perform in a different way than rather than just bulking them up at the gym. So I was, I found, I found that I loved it and I immediately bought a 10 class card and I was hooked from there. And so you had a background in gymnastics and cheerleading and stuff. Tell us about that. Well, um, I started first, um, we lived across, I grew up in a small town in Louisiana. Um, we grew up across the street from a city park. So from a very young age, I learned to swim at like four. Um, and then I played tennis. There was a, a tennis courts right across the street. Then they had trampoline and, and that naturally led to gymnastics. And then from gymnastics, it went to, when I got to college, it became cheerleading so that was an outlet for that your that alma point. mater is the university of louisiana at lafayette okay the raging cajuns Woohoo! <laughs> 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 and then so you practiced what was it like at least five or six years right and then they had the teacher training was yes. that about it and yeah. then you um i started practicing i think it was um i left my job of of 20 years in 2006, after I had a, a minor stroke, and I was looking for something to do, and then hot yoga fell into my lap, and then the natural progression was, well, I can, enjoy, I can help other folks with their journey as well, and that's why I thought I had plenty of time. I got out of the house. It gave me some purpose, so that's why I went to, to the teacher training, and I met some wonderful folks that um, I've taught now for um, over 1,500 classes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we were all part of that class. It was, that was, it was a funny, I mean, and I didn't know either one of you before we mm -hmm. went to teach. No, training. I didn't, because I was, on, I was a nooner. Um, I'm very, as, as today, and people who know me know that my life is kind of very structured. I like to do things at a certain time or a certain <laughs> point in the day, and my yoga class, hot yoga class, was noon, and I'd go Monday and Fridays for, forever. So only the people that I knew were those, those that were there during that time. Yeah, and you were a 10 o'clocker. 
right? Yeah, I, like, I love, used to love those 10 a.m. classes. Yeah, yeah. So you got to sleep in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Not too early, not too late. Yeah, I, I liked those. <laughs> and so tell me, tell us um, the whole teaching experience. How was the teacher training? How was, I mean, what did you, I mean, what was your, you know, you did it. it I, I know that I thought it was great, but I didn't think it was, I thought it was challenging at times. Oh, I, I think the, the great thing about Jason and Christina teaching us was they were imparting knowledge from the time that they had been, as long as they had been practicing, not just a dialogue that we'd have to recite. There was so much more involved about um, the basic philosophy behind it, um, body positioning, what they actually, and sometimes they had different ideas about what a posture should be. And we had to, we had to <laughs> absorb that and take it however we liked. But it, it, it showed you the different ways you can approach the practice. Some more spiritual, some more um, physical. Um, either the same posture can mean different things. I remember specifically triangle meaning Two different, various different things to both Jason and Christina. One was a hip opening posture for Christina, and the other was a strength posture for Jason. So we had to kind of in, absorb all that information, which I thought was really good and really made us so much better teachers to actually see what the students are doing, interpret it, try to put our spin on it, rather than having to just recite dialogue and just kind of let people find their way. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, that's true. How, is, how has teaching changed your own practice all these years later? Well, my, um, I'd say as a teacher, I've changed over time. I was kind of a little bit more regimented when I first started. I have to get this in. I have to say this. I have to do this. And it also be, all has to be done at a certain amount of time or a certain amount of flow. Now I've mellowed completely. Completely, um, and maybe that comes from always teaching the six thirty a.m. class when they don't let me talk a whole lot. They don't want to hear a lot of words. So <laughs> that, in essence, has changed and mellowed me out just a little bit. And uh, my practice, as a result, has become a little more internalized, a little more focused, um, a little more mental. I know I have the physical ability to do most everything. Um, I've learned with, recur with reoccurring injuries of sort to be careful and take care of myself. And I, that's why I try to impart, impart on my students for the most part these days is to really just kind of take care of yourself. Your body remembers, you have muscle memory from doing things, but you also have memory from injuries as well. The, the, your body remembers an old hurt, whether it be a broken bone or a pulled muscle. I think the body remembers that, and you always kind of end up doing some compensating to, to make up for those forgotten injuries. And so you have to be really careful, or you can, as you get older, over 55, like myself, um, you, it becomes easier and easier to do to re-injure something that you, you might have been a weak spot um, in the past. Mm -hmm. So 
Did I answer the question? Yeah. No, no, you completely answered the question, but you, you made, you, I lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. So, no, no. Um, I tend to prattle no, on. A, that's a very good thing to, to tell, to remind students of, though, I think, you know, um, that, you know, because I think the yoga does bring up a lot of old injuries, especially, you know, when you're first practicing, you might notice stuff coming up in your body that you, you know, it didn't just happen. This is something that, you know, you're, you're, it's processing through and hopefully healing as well, but oh. it can take time, you know, a lot of time sometimes. To get I have, uh, agree completely. One of the, one of the things I've, I tell my students is I made, I made a new year's resolution about four years ago. Um, I broke my kneecap in college doing bar gymnastics, um, which means I was doing a backflip in a bar at night. Ouch. And <laughs> that sounds painful. <laughs> well, it's stupid, but it happens. Um, and about four years ago, I said, I am not going to do the third part of awkward anymore. I'm not going to go all the way down because what I was noticing, I was compensating all the weight on my good knee to, to protect my bad knee. And as a result, my good knee was becoming my bad knee. So I said, no more. And it's the easiest New Year's resolution I've ever had to make. And it's the only one I've kept for four years <laughs> running now. <laughs> so I just put my knees together and I don't go down. <laughs> But I'm, it, that's kind of how my body was compensating. And I, and I said, well, I don't need to do that anymore. Right. Well, you know, I think that you, it's that physical, mental thing. And we still, we always have to remember that yoga is about allowing our bodies to open. And we approach the, most of the rest of our life very differently um, that we, we're geared to. We've got to do this. We've got to get it done. We've got to knock it off our list. And, and, and really wrestling things to the ground. Um, and I think that the yoga practice, as much as anything else, helps us to understand that that's, there, there are different ways to approach how we do not only just the postures, but everything. And that's been, for me, one of the biggest takeaways that, that I'm reminded of constantly and learn every single day because I'm, I have a tendency to be a little less patient and like, ugh, force you. Anyway, but um, it's very interesting how the physical poses and what we do on the mat and how we process it mentally um, can be taken off the mat over and over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and doing a little less sometimes is is the the right thing to do. I mean, that's a that's a really good lesson. You know? Well, you know, I think. But one of the things I think everyone can can kind of focus on that maybe they doesn't come to mind is that if you just and everyone hears this from me a lot, if you just always remember to stretch from your very, very fingertips to your very, very tips of your toes. If you stretch those extremities, it really doesn't matter what happens in between. You're stretching up and you're stretching down in opposite directions. It's oppositional stretching and that creates energy upward and downward at the same time. And if you can always have in most of the postures incorporating either one of those two or if not both, then I think you're, you're really going a long way to integrating your whole body with your breath. I just think that's really the most important thing. Lots of people don't stress. I always stress, point your toes, stretch your fingertips to the ceiling. It's kind of one of those things that it's kind of internalizes, stretches the entire musculature from both ends of the body. I think that's really, really important. Fingertips to toes. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> 
I don't get to say it enough. <laughs> Here, just go, go a couple more times. Go ahead. Fingertips to toes. Fingertips to toes. Fingertips to toes. Point your toes. Stretch your fingertips. Um, do you have any other Alan particular piece of advice? Pieces of advice for students oh. that you like to share? Um, I now really, when I get the chance to actually just be a teacher and not a morning practitioner as well. I really try and concentrate on watching the students and their body positioning. I'm not so much worried about hamstrings, how good your hamstrings are. Those things can really open up over time if you have a consistent practice. But if your form isn't correct, having stretchy hamstrings is kind of irrelevant. You can really do a lot of damage or do other... There are other variations of yoga postures that we do that fit into other lineages, but ours are specifics on how you how do you do things. So I try to ensure that my students are aligned, their hips are aligned correctly, rather than coming all the way down and say balancing stick. I'd rather have them their hips in one line and stretching from the fingertips to toes, um, <laughs> rather than how far you come down. Get the alignment <laughs> right. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's important. That's really what I try and focus and, and see with all my students. Mm-hmm. Everything else, especially those tight muscles around the hip joints and the hamstrings, that will loosen up over time. Yeah, well, there's a there's a tremendous amount of technique, physical technique, to each one of our postures, and you know our stu- our studio, and you know Jason and Christina started years ago with being very disciplined about the the technique of it. It's um, and it's always better to do a little bit less. Some of the other types of yoga that we practice, you know, it's, you just see these people like flopping around all over the place and <laughs> trying to keep up and listen to music, and it's it that's also you know it's a different type of thing. But ours with the mirror and the and the quiet and the stillness in between the postures, it get, it's a, there's a lot to it. And those, the, the physical alignment is, um, it takes years. And then it's a process because, like you said, there are certain times that things are looser, things are tighter, you're compensating for things. You're, it's just, you know, for as a teacher, for me, I think the most important thing, well, there's a million important things, but for students to just stay curious. Stay curious about what they're doing. Notice what's happening. Not think about what's happening in your head, but just notice with your body what's showing up. Yeah, and it can change from day to day. Mm-hmm. You never know what you did the night before, how much you had to eat, or you know you may have strained something doing some other activity. It all it all comes to to sh- to shine or to bear in in the hot yoga room. Mm-hmm. It, you can get rid of lots of toxins, but you can get over. Get rid of a lot of pain. You can actually. Um, there's so many ancillary benefits from being in the hot room as well. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite posture to to practice? Oh, currently? as as people have asked me this before. Sometimes it's a posture that I'm good at. Sometimes it's a posture that I'm bad at. It's just what's challenging me today. Um, or most recently, I think my favorite challenge wise has always been standing forward to knee. I've been fortunate enough to, on a consistent basis, be able to get my forehead to my knee pretty consistently, um, at least on one side. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, um, I, I think over time, I think the, 
standing separate like Ford to me has been the most challenging because Ford bins have always been my challenge. Back bins are always my forte. I've always was a, a, a back tumbler um, and back bins are easy for me. Opening up my chest, opening up my heart, it's always been really easy for me. Um, maybe that's just something about me, but closing it off and making it rounded on forward bends, forward tumbling was always a little bit more difficult for me. Mm. So like rabbit or... Rabbit is, is another one. Mm -hmm. if, if, if I'm not feeling extra skinny, I just don't, <laughs> it just doesn't feel good. <laughs> and it's like once a month I feel extra skinny. <laughs> That's funny. How is, how has the yoga really changed your life? I mean, I know it's... Well, it... It's changed my life because it's, it's, it's given me a couple of things. It's given me directions for the second half of my life. Um, leaving work, retiring early, was the, the, the thought was, what do I do for the remainder of my life? Um, and it's kind of given me directions like, well, now I have something to look forward to. I have something to experience. I'm actually doing some physical activity as well, which just kind of goes hands in, hand in hand with, with, with what I like and how I have lived my life. And being able to teach and share that is something I think that wherever I go, I can always share that if some studio, other studio will have me. <laughs> yeah, and so right now, currently, you're teaching at, at Beat Hot, but you also teach with Cleve, right? It's still hot. I teach with Cleve at Still Hot as well. And um, I also teach um, some yin restorative classes for both studios. And it's a completely different... I have to shut off my active brain and put my passive brain on. And it's really, really wonderful thing to do if you've never experienced our bikram type yoga hot yoga is all yang the yin the yin version of this is just closing your eyes just allowing your body to open up with really long long holds on these really simple postures can get into the the deep fascia that connects all the muscles and surrounds each and every muscle. And it takes a while to do that. The, the hardest thing to do for some people is just shut off your brain. Mm -hmm. And believe me, trying to teach that calmness and stillness has really helped me too. So if, if, if anybody's out there wants to try a restorative or a yin class, please, please, it's a completely different vibe and we even have music i even put on nice music <laughs> use some props even yeah we use props we get all crazy yes i'm trying to get have them get some really nice props <laughs> but um it, it's just it's just another compliment to to the practice yeah and i found with the restorative or the yin class especially with my hips and my shoulders the things that we do just help so much really i mean it's great. Mm -hmm. And you can always take a regular class, hot class and then follow it with the inner restorative because it, it's a nice compliment. You can take it directly afterwards. Oh, certainly. So we have the 245 Saturday restorative and the 8 o'clock Monday yen. So what would be some advice for new students that you would have, like somebody just starting out? One, follow the directions of the teacher. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had to get that out of the way first. First and foremost, <laughs> listen to what I say. No, oh, but, but actually be kind and gentle your, to your body. The, it's, we live in such a competitive society that most newcomers right away want to do exactly what the most seasoned practitioners want to do. And it's really, really, really hard to get people to back off, do less, try to absorb, take in what you're, what you're supposed to be doing here, listen, and then do rather than just seeing and doing right away. And holding back is the best thing you can do. My best advice. Do a little. You have the rest of your life, as my, one of my old teachers used to say, do you have the rest of your life to practice this, this yoga? Mm-hmm. Don't try to get it all in, done in one day. I always, always come back to the parable of the tortoise and the hare. Be the tortoise. The long game is when you win the race. Don't rush to the finish line or you might find you get bored, or you m- might find that you've, you're doing too much, and it may take something out of you. Take a slow journey. It's always the mo- most fulfilling, in my mind. That's really good advice. I like that. Yeah, since I want to retire to a beach, I want to, you know, I want the slow life. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> well, I'll come visit. Yeah, we'll definitely come visit. So I can't, we can't finish and we can't let you, let you go and, and unless we at least have a little bit of a conversation about these pizzas. Oh, oh my goodness, Alan's famous pizzas. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I highly encourage everyone to follow or be friends with Alan on Facebook because every Friday you get this fabulous treat of like the most amazingly devi- designed, um, homemade, homemade pizza. Well, they, they, the, my pizza post has taken off a life of its own. I mean, they don't much care about that I'm making a pizza. They just want the pizza pick, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it just came from, it was an organic thing. What I, what I tried to do was try to be inventive and rein, reinvent the pizza. I think when I stopped eating meat... I tried to take that into a different form of protein, different form of veggies, just just to say, what is pizza? Kind of, it's like a sauce, any sauce, any vegetables, any combination, cheese or not. It, there's just so many possibilities, and I tried to explore that. What do you use for your crust? That's the million-dollar question. <laughs> He's not going to tell us. Is, that, is it a secret? Ancient Chinese secret. Okay. Is it gluten-free? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, I have made gluten-free crust before. I've made veggie crust, um, both cauliflower and zucchini. And I must say, the zucchini crust comes out really, really well. Really? I mean, it does a really good job, and you don't have to wring it as hard as you have to do for cauliflower, but normally it's just standard, um, standard yeasted balls that I make. Sometimes if I'm, I'm running late and I have to teach a afternoon class on Friday, I buy the dough ball at Publix. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's the same thing. Or some some pizza parlors actually will sell you their dough balls. So you just uh-huh. have to actually go buy and ask. I know Papa John's used to sell their dough balls individually, but. If you like a pizza crust at a certain place, always ask the the people there. Do you would, would you mind selling your crust? And most of them do. Okay. Interesting. I did, I, <laughs> did I, not, I did not know that. Yeah. And you cook your pizza in the oven. I've 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 experimented with a whole bunch of different techniques. 
um, on the grill outside, um, in the oven, on a stone, on parchment paper, on the, the oven rack directly. And I've come up with a a master class, if you will, on techniques on, on getting the perfect dough that I like. Okay. So maybe we can add that to our schedule. It could be a special <laughs> workshop. Pizza with Alan. <laughs> but I don't know. This crust is a secret now. <laughs> well, you know, I've taken lots of cooking classes and you know they're they're you know, you either that they either give you the recipes or there's lots of places that you take these classes that they won't give you the recipe. They'll tell you what to do, but they won't, you know, so I, I we'll, we can live, we can work with that. We can work with that. Just bring yourself in. Alan, is there anything else that you would like to impart or add or say? Well, the, the, one of the guiding things, that I, in my life, are my fondest and deepest respect for those who teach. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a really special thing to have it in your heart to share your knowledge, whatever may whatever you may teach, whether you teach um, for school or an art or science, it doesn't matter. Being able to teach, I think, is um, a, a, a tremendously rewarding thing, um, maybe not monetarily, but it's rewarding for those people that would like to impart knowledge on others. And it takes a special mind to be able to, I think, teach. You have to be willing to listen. I think some of my best students, I can always tell if a student's a teacher hmm. because they're most likely to be the most attentive hmm. to what's being said. Hmm. I can almost 100% point out the really good students are the really good teachers. It's just, mm. it's just kind of a, uh, something that you, you can see. It's an interesting observation. Yeah. And, I, and I love all animals and I love my husband. So it's going to be 30 years. We're going on 30 years. Oh, wow. 30 and, years. And how yeah. many cats? We have four cats now. <laughs> That's great. One comes, one goes. But um, we love them all. There you go. Diana? Thank you so much, Alan. That was really great to, to talk to you. <laughs> really, thank you. You're welcome.